Hi, this is Fanchon Cox DiGiovanni. I'm the writer, producer, and performer of One Drop of Love, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams Podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 128 of Chasing Dreams. Today's episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters. Thank you all for supporting my mission to inspire, equip, and empower people to chase their dreams. You can find all about our supporters over at amyj21.com slash supporters. Thank you once again, guys. In honor and recognition of Black History Month, we are continuing our journey. I have an amazing dream chaser today to introduce. She is Fanchon Cox DiGiovanni. She is an award-winning playwright, actor, producer, and educator. Fanchon is currently touring the one-woman show she wrote and performed in, One Drop of Love. One Drop travels near and far in the past and present to explore the intersections of race, class, and gender in pursuit of truth, justice, and love. The show is produced by Cox DiGiovanni, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon. Fanchon has been featured in the New York Times and on NPR as a spokesman on using the arts to explore racial identity. She's a very busy woman, but has graciously taken time out of her day to come and talk to us today. And I am so honored. Fanchon, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Oh, thank you so much. I'm I'm doing great now because I'm getting some inspiration from you and from your show <laughs> and what you do. And sometimes you just need that. You know, <laughs> I need that today. I, I you know, we are all just trying to do our best, right? And sometimes even when we're at our best, we need that reminder to keep going. Absolutely. To, well, you are doing some amazing things. And so before we get into what you're doing currently, Let's rewind back to younger Fanchon. Okay. When you were young, what was the plan? When you were like in, in high school, what were you thinking? I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, or did you have any thoughts? I have known that I was going to be an actor since I was nine. So I played the, uh, the uh, fairy godmother in The Nutcracker in my bilingual elementary school. <laughs> and, and I had probably all of about five seconds on stage and said, this is what I want to do. I want to, um, I want to do theater and I, I want to be different characters. And so certainly by high school, I kind of solidified that by performing in plays. And also uh, we were in this great program in our high school where we could develop our own pieces with our teachers. And so we had a, a, you know, once a year show that we all created together. And so I've known that I wanted to do that. And then fortunately, at some point, I also realized that in order to really tell the stories I wanted to tell as an actor, I would have to learn how to write and produce. So I don't know if I recognized early on that I wanted to do that as well, but I've certainly learned since then that those are important skills to have. 
So I'm curious because, you know, a lot of people have dreams when they're young and doesn't always pan out as they get older. How is it that you maintained your grip on being and becoming an actress? Oh, such a great question. Um, because, you know, it may look like, oh, well, she decided she declared it when she was nine. Yeah, and she I've, just had a straight <laughs> path. And that's right. And that's deceptive because. Since then, I, in fact, even after high school, I started off as a theater major. I went to the University of Michigan and was a theater major, but I found myself drawn to Spanish. I was taking Spanish classes and I just fell in love with the language. And the next thing I knew, I had dropped my theater major and became a, a, a Spanish major. And then a couple years later, I think my first inkling was, I know I still want to be an actor, but... I think I need some kind of uh, backup, you know, just or even to just kind of so that I don't starve while I'm, you know, getting rejected until I get that big break. Mm -hmm. And someone recommended teaching education, that it was a kind of a great way to have a consistent job. And that's all I thought of it at the time. Okay, great. And then I absolutely fell in love with education. And so after uh, after college, I joined the Peace Corps and I went and I taught uh, ESL, English as a Second Language, in a small town in West Africa in the Cape Verdean Islands. And and so I, even though in the back of my head, I always said, you're an actor, you're an actor, you're an actor. I also fell in love with languages and with educating people and learning from people from all over. And um, and so I started at some point to think, okay, may maybe I'm not an actor, but I then uh, went to grad school in New York and I knew I'd kind of chosen grad school in New York because I could be close to the actors, but I was still pursuing a, a master's degree in teaching. And it was while I was in New York that I realized, oh my goodness, teachers are actors. I am learning my craft by uh, standing in front of a group of people and performing for them so that I can help them learn. <laughs> um, and, and so I think that I, when I really accepted that I really was continuing to pursue my career, even though it didn't look like that from the outside, um, I, I kind of forgave myself for not being singular minded in it, but really to kind of opening up what acting means. Um, and that served me so well eventually when I years later went to start writing my one woman show because I now had this experience of being in the real world because actors, we sometimes live in a bubble, <laughs> in a creative bubble. Um, and if you do that, you don't have the access to kind of to observe real people in real life, which right. is what you do as an yeah. actor, right? When I started to write the show, I suddenly had all of these amazing experiences and people to kind of to utilize in writing the show that I, I don't know I would have had if I had just gone the straight path of kind of, you know, uh, being an actor. And so I'm so grateful that it wasn't that direct route that I had all these other amazing experiences first. Now, I got so many questions. Okay, so you... <laughs> You threw me off there. You you were a theater major, then you dropped yes. it because you fell in love with something else. Not that you can't have the love of both in there, but 
mean, to give up one for the other, that had to be in hard. It was hard. It was, although, you know what, I have to admit, at, I think at that particular time, it didn't feel hard because I still always believed in my heart that I, that I was meant to be an actor. I think there were certainly periods where I thought, You've, you just gave up on yourself. You didn't really go for it. You didn't try. But I have to say that I was enjoying the other things I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I realized later it was because I was doing acting. I just didn't name it that. Right. It wasn't, um, it wasn't what we typically call it, acting. That's right. It was not a traditional approach to it. Um, but it was, it was actually continuing to chase my dreams. It was just in a way that I, that I, you know, kind of didn't think of at the time. But at the time that you gave it up, did you think you were giving it up permanently or was it, I will pursue this in a different way, maybe like improv down the road or some, some other method. I'll I'll just find a way I'll make it work, but I really want to do this now. (laughs) Well, I'll share a story with you. So like I said, during that time, I really didn't think of myself as giving it up. I thought of, okay, I'll just do this thing because I like it, but I'm still going to be an actor. I was still determined and I didn't necessarily see the vision for it, but I, but I still went for it. Um, But years later, uh, as you mentioned, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are producers of the show. And Ben gave me a really small role in a film called Gone Baby Gone that he directed. I'm not sure. It doesn't ring a bell. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even mean to say it that way, but sometimes you never know. That's true. That's true. Fair. And ironic. Well, not ironically, this has to do with the story. Um, you wouldn't know I was in the film because I got cut out. And I will say that that was a moment where I definitely considered and I was heartbroken because here was kind of my first time on a big movie set. And, and, um, you know, really, I felt like this is my chance, I have to really show that I can do it. And, And I am perfectly willing to admit that I did a terrible job. And, and I got cut out. And, Um, and I didn't even know I got cut out until I went to see it, you know, this kind of thing. And I really realized that at, well, so at that moment I said, I'm terrible. I'm not going to do this anymore. Oh, I can see how, how, how you'd feel that way. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm quitting. It was the only time in, in this career that I said that I really thought about just quitting. I'm not good enough. And I, you know, I completely wasted this opportunity and I'm going to leave. And so I started actually applying for tenured positions as a professor. And I thought I'm just, you know, not just, I was, I had loved teaching, but I'm not going to be an actor. I'm going to be a professor. And fortunately at some, uh, fortunately what happened was, as I said, I started to learn other pieces of the craft. So I started to learn how to write and produce and therefore I could now create a world as opposed to someone else creating it for me. And so then I already had this understanding of the characters and the story and I did such a better job of acting in my own work (laughs) than I had done on that set. And it helped me see Oh, that just, and you, you spoke of timing a little earlier before the call, right? So 
the timing was just not right at that moment. And I needed to learn this lesson. And, and I did. And so that, that really made a huge difference that I didn't quit because I, I just realized that, that, that was just one piece of learning to get better. And you don't give up just cause you, you know, because you fail once in a while. I mean, you also, and what's interesting is you accepted it in a different form. It wasn't maybe necessarily yeah. the traditional, uh, way we expect it to be, but that you were open-minded enough to see it for what it is and embrace it is not an easy thing. I gotta say, a lot of us struggle with that. We do. We do. And I, it's, you know, it's one of those things I think it's kind of easier to tell someone else and even feel for someone else. Oh, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. You know, you can move on. But when it's you experiencing it, in that moment, it's a real challenge. It really is. Oh, absolutely. But you wrote this play and I got, as someone who doesn't write or produce, maybe yet, I don't know, you know, who doesn't do uh, acting like that. What was that like having written a first draft? Are you critical upon yourself? Because here's your dream, right? What do you do? Well, first of all, I'm just going to say you absolutely do write and produce. That's what you're doing right now. So you don't get to say that. <laughs> fair. Okay. That was fair. Yes, absolutely. I know. I'm always like, right. You know, when people say I'm not a writer, I'm like, do you pick up a pen and write something on a piece of paper ever? <laughs> like, fair and writer. accurate observation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes, it's scary. Although I have to say, in in some ways, the beautiful piece of having failed in that way, and in other ways too. I mean, here I was pursuing an acting career in Hollywood, and and it's mostly rejection, right? It's not. It's ninety percent rejection. And so the beautiful thing was that when I started to write this show, I completely let go of what could happen with it. So I didn't write a show to make myself famous or write a show that I think the networks would want to pick up as a TV show or, you know, I I didn't think in that way at all. I remember thinking to myself, what would your mother like? If the, if the only person who comes to see this show is your mom and we sit in our in our living room and I perform this for my mom and she's proud of me and she gets it and she cares about it, that's the only thing that matters. And that freed me to, uh, I'm going to get emotional, my goodness, it really freed me to, to tell my full truth and um, to, to make something compelling that I, yeah, I don't think I otherwise would have made if I'm in Los Angeles, forgive me for that ambulance. If you can hear it in the background. That's all right. Um, It's, it's the natural sounds. So yes, thank Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. It just allowed me to, um, make something real and authentic that wasn't based on commercial success or, or making money or, or, you know, anything like that. It was just, and that, and that, yes, that's, that's why I was able to let go of fear of writing it because I didn't put any kind of pressure on myself for it to be anything specific. And see what I love about it. And what I love about what you're saying is, you know, this is 2018. My theme for the year is just be you. And, you know, Oprah Winfrey at her, her speech at the golden globes, you know, 
amazing, amazing, you know, living your truth. That's what you're doing. Exactly it. But I got to say, it's not an easy topic that you've picked. Can we talk about that just for a little bit? Uh, Sure. (laughs) What led you to this topic? And, you know, for those who are unfamiliar with your show, can you talk a little bit about it? Sure. Yes. Uh, So one drop of love this is always interesting because some of your audience will know right away what I mean when I say the words one drop, right? Mm -hmm. And others may not know the history, but one drop refers to the one drop rule, which is that if you have one drop of black blood, you are black. Um, Today, we use this as a source of pride, right? Black community says, I'm proud of being black. I don't deny that I'm black. And especially folks you know, for, for me, I, white people sometimes think that I'm white and part of their team. (laughs) I am proud of being black. And so there's this kind of, um, you know, there, there's an, an understanding in the black community that this is something we embrace. But when you look at the history of the one drop rule, it's, it's based on enslavement. And it was, you know, the, it was the, unfortunately, slave masters who were, they have rape and there's, I wish I, there were a nicer way to say this, but there's, the truth is there isn't right raping their slaves and having mixed children, mulatto children, what we were called at the time and deciding what to do with these children, where mm-hmm. were they going to fit in, in this hierarchy and were they going to be slaves or were they going to be free? And they created the laws to say that these children would be slaves. And so this using one drop at the, at the, in the beginning of the title refers to this history. It refers to the pride now of being black, but also to this history of how this came about. And the love piece is that is around how do we, un, we, we need to make sure we understand the history. And that's that truth, right? We need to tell the full truth of how this came to be. And only when we do that, then we need to be open to love because the only way we can kind of get past that truth is to accept the history, find ways to make up for the history. And that's where justice comes in, right? How do we make sure that the folks who have been disenfranchised from that history now have access to the things that we were stripped of and not just during slavery since then? And that can lead us to love, but love is what that justice is going to look like, right? So the play kind of explores both that history as well as our present day. How does this, how does that history affect all of our relationships? And in particular, I look at my relationship with my father and the ways that race and racism have played a part in and gotten in the way of our ability to love each other. That's kind of what it's about. And yes, it's a tough topic. (laughs) It's a tough topic, but a much needed one, because you're not the only one who is the subject matter, essentially, of this show. That's right. And so many people, I, you know, I, I truly believe representation matters. And I think what you're doing is something that a lot of people are unaware of, you know, and I think you're you're opening the eyes and kind of opening the blinds to mm-hmm. this this area of import and the fact that you you know were so open and shared your truth like this um exploring the intersections of race class gender this is a successful show you are being produced with the help of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon like and you're going across the country 
How do you go? I mean, did you think that that is where this show would go when you started writing your truth? I mean, because you said that was not what you were trying to do. Not at all. And again, I think that was the greatest gift I had was Mm -hmm. that I cared about telling my truth and and about the people that I love being moved by it and, and feeling that and and maybe even sparking in them an interest in telling their truth yeah. and the ways that they're creative. That was that was my pure goal, and so I I continue to be shocked at at, at the quote unquote. I mean, I, I'm proud that it is successful, but I yes, it continues to surprise me um, that that it has been successful. Um, and yet I feel, yes, again, I really realize it's, it's precisely because I did not put pressure on myself for it to be, uh, especially around money and making money or, um, you know, or being famous, you know, getting fame. It really, and so, yeah, I think I, I'm surprised <laughs> still. And you've, <laughs> you've, grateful. and you've gone, I mean, is this isn't just a, a LA show or a New York show. You've been to different places or going to different places, DC, uh, New York. I'm I'm looking at your site, Colorado, Illinois. I mean, the fact that you're taking the show and you're, you're sharing this, what has been the reaction to what you've done? I mean, this isn't something you anticipate. It's not what you kind of did this for, but what has it felt like hearing the audience feedback? Oh, it's been incredible. And, and the other way that it's not really a traditional theater show um, is that I, I mostly do the show once in one location and then move on to another location. So um, so really every single audience is completely different. And depending on their demographics, right, geographical location, uh, whether it's a majority black audience or Latino audience or uh, immigrant audience that I, I always see the audience kind of resonating with very different parts of the show because the show discusses all of these things. Right. And my, my dad was an immigrant to this country. And so in place, and he, he's Jamaican. So in, in places where there are large Caribbean communities, there's this one reaction, which is, wow, that is, you've just described what it's like to be a black person mm-hmm. in the United States, but not not necessarily African-American. And so in some ways we share experiences and in other ways, I don't always feel connected to that community because that community isn't connected to my, my roots from the country I was born in. Um, but then, then I'll go somewhere like Atlanta where the, you know, many of the folks are kind of, you know, Southern and grew up here and it's a very different experience and show or, or some places where there are very few people of color, if at all, and that's a whole different kind of experience too. Uh, so yeah, I, in the best of ways, I never know what I'm getting in the audience. And that allows me to play around with it because it is interactive. So it allows me to kind of read the audience and figure out how to deliver this information in a way that's palatable. So, so when it's a a black audience, for example, I can kind of wink and nod some more than I can, or people of color, I can wink and nod a little more than mm-hmm. I can. Because <laughs> right. they can relate. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's, 
when I was writing it, I had call and response in my head. So those audiences tend to kind of speak with me throughout, right? And, and other audiences just might be used to a different kind of theater experience where you're quiet the whole sure. time. And then they come so, to your show and it's like, huh? It's, oh, what's oh, going I can, on? Yeah, she's asking me to say something. I can speak. <laughs> yeah. And so it really varies. Now, and then to, to, so that's the audience reaction. What about when you got the support of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon? What was it like taking your baby, essentially, you know, yeah. to, to, to make it an analogy, taking your baby and, and kind of putting it in front and saying, hey, I need help financially. I, and I don't know how you asked it, but essentially kind of going, this is my one true love, you know, treat it carefully, mm-hmm. but will you mm-hmm. help me? Hmm. That's been an interesting process. So I grew up with them and that's why we have the relationship. And, um, and I, they found out about the show from a Facebook invite. You know, I kind of, I think I just put every, I don't even remember who all I was tagging or whatever Mm -hmm. when I, I was doing my debut show and, and, uh, and I didn't think that they'd respond and, and, um, but they did and they came and it was so, it was so great for me because it was the first time in my acting career that I didn't go to them to ask to be in something they were doing. Mm-hmm. I just said, please come see this thing that I'm doing. And, uh, and, and they responded right away. This, this is great. This is important. We, we care about this. We want to be involved. So that was very fortunate that I didn't, I did, I didn't have to be in the position of asking. They, but but again, I'll just go back to to re- reiterate that is because I didn't care, right? I yeah. wasn't doing it to get their support or anybody else's. I was just telling the truth. And meanwhile, like I said, I had been in their films, got cut out, or you know, all of these asked to mm-hmm. be asked to do other things, sent them scripts that were very much what I thought the industry wanted, and I didn't get responses back. So here, finally, was this thing that I got to say, hey, if you want to come show up. And then so they saw that I had done the work on my own. I was not asking them to help me do the work. And I think that was a really, you know, integral part of building a relationship where I had to say, it was my story, and I got the agency. So and it's interesting you say that, you know, in that you you have sense, whether it's Ben Affleck or basically your friends, right? Or just people you know, to take it to them and not necessarily get the positive reaction. It doesn't really work. It's not necessarily your baby that you've given your all to and that you don't, you've, you've selflessly kind of devoted. And then here it is, you twist and you create something that you are so proud of that you're yeah. like, I'm doing this for me. Anything yeah. else is kind of gravy, so to speak. And then things start lining up. It's exactly, it's exactly it. And then ironically, you know, in the beginning, it was great to have their names and then they will acknowledge this as well. So I'm not saying anything that we don't all know. Then they started doing some things, you know, saying and doing things publicly that um, are counter to the themes of the show, mm-hmm. to the principles and values that I carry and that I know they do because we grew up together in a community that's very progressive and very community oriented. And, and, um, and so there've been some great important lessons there too around, Hey, I, you know, um, at, 
I see now you're maybe a different person than I thought you were when you signed on to do this show. And are you sure you want to keep having your name on this? And am I sure I want to keep having your name on this? Because these are these are in conflict a little bit. And I have to say, and, and, you know, unfortunately for them, the public doesn't get to see this as much, but they, in, in private conversations, they get it. They're now in a position of really kind of, I think, needing to take some time to, to just be quiet and listen, which is what I think many of us have been asking for, right? Be right. quiet and yeah. listen and let us, let us lead you in, in this change that needs to happen in the industry and, um, and to their credit, they are they are doing that. It's now a matter of at what point do you talk about it? Because I also, you know, they they shouldn't be asking for cookies for for doing something that should have been happening all along. You know, <laughs> so, and 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 that's, yeah. you know, we could we could easily go down that road and and have a long conversation about it. But the but the point I actually want to talk about, not going down that road, but the road of. You had your dream supported you actually took the chance to say listen i'm staying true to me there's some kind of friction and ripples in the water here mm-hmm. you had that conversation like you weren't again and i think i know where this is going you took the chance and risk of losing the support absolutely oh i can you share why i, I mean again i know why but i want you to share yes. why yes i mean i uh, um, here I found the blending of all the things that mattered to me. So I gave myself the opportunity as an actor. I gave myself the opportunity as a writer. I gave myself the opportunity as a producer. But more importantly, I created content that actually says something mm-hmm. and actually has the goal of making change. And so it would be one thing if I had been on a soap opera and they were producers of the soap opera and they did things that were in conflict with this soap and not to say, not to say anything bad right. about it. We're soap not opera. knocking soap operas, guys. I'm not a big all, fan. Absolutely of, not. Yes. Right. right. But mm-hmm. I mean, the, you know, the social piece of it where you're really like putting yourself forward around social justice isn't necessarily there. And so that, but that would have been different. But I, I purposefully created a piece that educates and that brings people together and who that whose purpose is to help make change. And so anybody involved with that needs to be committed to that. And I didn't feel they were. And and the thing I love about what you just said is is that you stayed true to it. You didn't yes. you didn't sacrifice because, you know, it it would have been easy to just say, OK, I'm just going to ignore, turn a blind eye to the things you're hearing in the media about what they're doing, which, you know, goes against the very nature and lessons that your show is trying to teach. Absolutely. It would have been easy to do that. And I think you would have devalued not only the show, but yourself. Absolutely. I mean, literally the last line of the show, not to give it away. So everybody, you still have to go see it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, yes, go ahead. The last line is about, it really states, we cannot hide from this. Mm -hmm. We must confront, if we want to change this, meaning the system, right? The system that 
disenfranchises women and LGBT and people based on class and race. And if we want to change this, we must confront it. And so who, who would I be to just pretend that they, that everything was fine? I'd be a complete hypocrite. Um, both, as you said, internally, I would question my own principles mm-hmm. and values. I certainly would not feel comfortable continuing to do the show and make this grand statement unless it were, you know, true, uh, that I felt it. I mean, even as an actor, the, the audience knows when you're lying, right? The yeah. camera knows when you're lying. Mm-hmm. And so I could not pretend that that was not part of <laughs> Or the, uh, yeah, I, I had to have the conversation and also push towards there being change. Um, yeah, there was just, I couldn't, uh, there was no other choice. No, I think it's very important that, that everybody hears what she's saying, you know, um, listen to what she's saying, because I think that's something in today's society, we're finding ourselves faced more and more with that kind of a decision to make. Do mm-hmm. I turn a blind eye or do I? Right. Stay true to what I know is right. Because like you said, we shouldn't be giving out cookies for things that we should be doing already. Exactly. You know, because you're a human being. You don't get an award for being (laughs) right. Right. This isn't a participation prize. That's right. Everybody should do it. But before I let you go, there's there's two questions I have. One, are you doing this full time? Are you working on one drop of love full time or are you juggling a day job and this adventure. <laughs> uh, so the the good news is what came out of our very tough conversations, uh, conversations with Matt and Ben, is that my full time job is working at their production company to make sure, or at least to do my part as much as I can, to make sure that we are hiring and casting the way that we cast and the types of projects that we do out of their production company called Pearl Street Films, that they represent what the world looks like. Now, I don't always get to do everything I want to do, but little by little, the world shows them that that, you know, even from a business standpoint, that's important to do. Um, and so I'm that that is my full time job is to do development at their production company. And one drop has also led to um, to my being called in to do workshops on diversity, inclusion, justice and equity work. And so, yeah, so I, I do all of those things. And again, fortunately, they're all things that are really important to me and that I love. And that's fantastic because I feel like, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, this came about with you living your truth, you just being you. It would not have happened if I hadn't picked up the phone after an episode of Project Greenlight and said, "Mm -mm." (laughs) so yes, I mean, one drop would have happened anyway, but, but my, my current job and yes, what, what. Yeah, it wouldn't it would not have happened if I hadn't said, no, these are my principles and values. I have to maintain them in everything I do. Uh, and that's yes, you're absolutely right. It wouldn't be happening. Let me ask you one last question. This is a new year. It's February 2018. It's the year where people should just be themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. 
here they are. They want to chase a dream. What is something you would recommend that they do today to do that? Oh, I'm going to go back to what you said at the beginning of this when you said, I'm not a writer. I'm not a producer. (laughs) So change that language. Take that not out. Take that, throw that away, burn it (laughs) and say, I am a writer. I am a producer. I am an actor. I am a storyteller. I am somebody who cares about social change and I have the power to do that. That's fantastic. So simple. Yeah, it, it's not easy, guys. I mean, it, it's so easy for us. I think we're just naturally intoned, uh, trained to just be negative about ourselves uh, and, sure. and note sure. the things and, that we aren't. Yes. But and I think that's very powerful. For- Yeah, it's easier for me to tell everyone to do that and not always myself. But listen, we we have examples of it working every day. (laughs) And hey, the white men, that's what they tell themselves. That's why they are where they are. (laughs) I mean, really, just learn from from them. That's that's be confident. Be the, it's it's the carry yourself with the confidence of the mediocre white man. That's <laughs> we just got to really, change our perspective, guys. You just got to change our perspective. Just take out the knot and say, I am. Yes. Thank you so much for taking time out, coming on the show and just sharing your story, the lessons. I loved every minute of it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I appreciate your patience with scheduling this. And, and, uh, and I just, I think what you're doing is so important. I love your positivity and, um, just, yeah, I can't wait to hear more of what you're doing and support your show. So thank you. All right, guys, that was Fanshin Cox DiGiovanni. How awesome. I mean, just living her truth. She is doing it and a testament to what can happen when you do so. So you guys can learn more about Fanshin and find all the links we mentioned today over at amyj21.com slash episode 128. That's episode 128. Again, note the domain change, okay? It's amyj21.com slash episode 128. Thank you once again to our Patreon sponsors. Guys, we would not be going still if it weren't for them. If you'd like to learn more about our Patreon campaign or donate yourself, please visit amyj21.com slash Patreon. Every little bit helps and it is so appreciated. All right, guys, until next time, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at chasingdreamshq.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.